I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. I guess this is episode 41. Yeah, Fried Squirms. We're here to talk more about horror movies with you, except if you were listening last week, you'll already know we're not talking about a movie. No, we are doing a continuation of Hannibal the series. Get a little bit into season two this week. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward, right? Season two, Hannibal the series. Yeah, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Is there anything we want to get into before? Well, I mean, I guess the the shooting down in Vegas just happened. That sucks. Oh, yeah, that's fucking horrible. And the other thing, right as I was getting done with watching the episodes today, fucking Tom Petty just died. What? Yeah, dude. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, dude. (sighs) Damn. I guess he was found, I think they said, like, cardiac arrest, and he was found unconscious, and by the time they got him to the hospital, there wasn't any brain activity. Damn, that's sad. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, like we say, it happens with what we're doing and even outside of what we're doing, so... Right? Yeah, so, it's unfortunate. Fuck, really shitty day overall today, actually, but yeah. we're going to be here talking about some awesome horror. Well, yeah, I know. Horror, trying to eh, I, we, we, we talked about that before. I, I mean, I'll, I'll touch on it again, I suppose, but it's not super horror. No, I mean, it has its elements of horror, but it's... I think you summarize it pretty well. It's more of a uh, procedural than anything. Yeah, it's a thriller procedural, but, I mean, Hannibal Lecter is kind of a horror character. So yeah, no doubt. It's Hannibal. We're talking about it. Let's get into the... Guts and Bolts? Slightly abbreviated Guts and Bolts, I'm yeah. going to guess. Guts and Bolts. Guts and Bolts. Yes, Guts and Bolts. We're talking about Hannibal Season 2. I don't plan on re-saying everything that we said last week. No, not necessarily. We don't have to. Because there's a lot of recurring actors and characters. And, of course, the showrunner, Brian Fuller. Right, who we went in depth. Yes, he is. The music is still done by Brian Reitzel. Cinematography this season is done primarily by James Hawkinson. Our editors are Michael Doherty, Stephen Phillips, and Ben Wilkinson. There's a few directors I did want to mention. There's six total. I'll go real quick through these guys. But each one of them had some unique projects they worked on and i can see why they use them okay for this season so the first one i'll mention is tim hunter this movie i've mentioned i don't know how many times now but he was a director for the movie river's edge okay yeah that's a great weird kind of late 80s film has uh crispin glover keanu reeves he worked on the show carnival and the show twin peaks so he's oh. known for doing work on those peter medak i believe he's an international film director he worked on the movie The Changeling. He's the director of that. So people are familiar with early 80s horror. He worked on the movie Zorro, The Gay Blade. Oh, wow. He's the director of that film. That's... Oh, wait, really? Yeah. The director is Zorro, The Gay Blade. Yeah, I had to mention this because... Which which episode? I think the movie. There's an actual Zorro, The Gay Blade No, 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 no but I mean, oh, which oh, episode oh. did he direct? What was his name again? I'm going to look Peter that up Peter right Medak or Medak. I want to say it's like episode five or six, somewhere in the middle three is it three and he might have done some other one too just a minute nope nope that was the only okay one. so it was three okay so he did it episode three. Oh god which one is that sorry i'm gonna read this That's real okay. quick while you're talking about them he also is the director of species two and he also worked on the show carnival oh uh, really species two yeah oh okay yeah the next director i have is david semmel he's worked on the show the strain the show hemlock grove and the reason i brought up hemlock grove is because Bill Skarsgård is involved on that show, and he is Pennywise in It. That's right. So that's a good reason to watch that show. He's also done work on American Horror Story and the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, nice. Yeah. My, so I really oh, like episode three, just because I was reading which one that guy, the gay blade guy had done. Yeah? 
and I really like that episode, actually. Yeah, we'll so. get to talk about all these. Yeah, this is fun. The next director I have is Michael Reimer. He's the director of Queen of the Damned. He's done a few episodes of American Horror Story, and he also worked on the show Battlestar Galactica. The next director I have is Vincenzo Natali. He is the director of the movie Cube. So if you want a fucked-up, psychedelic, kind of sci-fi-ish movie... I need to rewatch Cube sometime. As oh, man, soon as you said that, man, I'm so like, good, oh, Cube so is great. good. He's also known for directing the movie Splice. He was oh, I never did see that. I, I don't think I watched that one either. I'm familiar with it, but yeah, I, I remember seen it. seeing the previews and shit and being like, man, I want to see this movie. Never followed through on that, but give us reason to maybe check it out. Uh-huh. He's involved with the art department in the film Ginger Snaps, which I know I've brought up several times. Oh, yeah. Ginger Snaps keeps yeah. tying back in. Actually, that might be one cube. I might have to get to that. It's now so that good. Now that we're officially into October, I talked about it a little bit last time. I think every week I'm going to try to work at least one extra oh, I think it's easy horror to do. thing in. And maybe I've already cube. been thinking about that, too. Yeah. yeah. Cube would be a good one. This director also did work on the show Westworld. I know we've brought that up. And the show The Strain, which involves Guillermo nice. del Toro once again. And vampires. All right. And the last director I have is David Slade. I know we've mentioned him because I think he's a producer of American Gods. He's also the director of Hard Candy and 30 Days of Night. So those are some projects that he's heavily involved with. Wait, wait. You forgot his best directorial okay. work. Twilight Eclipse. Oh, damn, dog. That shit's so good. He's also the director <laughs> of the Twilight Saga uh, Eclipse. Damn. That's probably a good reason I didn't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you got to give credit where it is due. He also did, like, an LFO video. I know that. That's pretty cool. I know he did some uh, music videos in his, I guess, his earlier works. A few Muse videos. That's pretty cool. The Ariel's video for System of a Down. Nice, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... Ooh, AFI's Girl's Not Gray. I kind of like AFI. I'm not going to shy away from that. All right. That's who I have for directors. I guess I'll get back to the special effects team because, I, you know, we do have to mention these couple of teams here. Industrial Pixel, Visual Effects, Rocket Science, Visual Effects, and Smoke and Mirrors. Production companies, once again, are Dino De Laurentiis Company, Living Dead Guy Productions, AXN Original, X Productions, and Gaumont International Television. Distributors are NBC, which is here in the United States, City TV in Canada, British Sky Broadcasting across the United Kingdom. This season two aired, started on February 28th of 2014, and it ran through May the 23rd of 2014. There is a tagline, because you know I like them. Yes, you do. And there is one for season two, and this one is Embrace the Madness. Okay. Yeah, so with that being said, that's pretty much what I got for some of our technical notes, you know, as far as director, cinematographer, etc. I guess we can talk about some of the recurring actors briefly, briefly, because there are some I want to talk about. We've talked about Hugh Hugh Dancy. As our main character. Will Graham. Right. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, I know. We slobbered all over him in the previous uh, episode. I, I still want to slobber all over him. And ha- and as Hannibal. Cooking. Wow. He does such a great job, man. I know we talked about it over and over last week, but, man, he fucking, he's yeah, so I, good, dude. It inspired me some. I, I actually cooked up a little bit more than, than I normally would last night. Hey, it's nothing wrong with that. Some, you find inspiration in all kinds of things. That's right. And especially watching a man pretend to cook another person. Nothing wrong with on, that. On TV. On NBC. Cannibalism. Cannibalism. Yeah. 
heavily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus. Don't call me Larry Lawrence Fishburne. There we go. As okay. Jack Crawford. Don't watch my daughter. We live in the state that starts with her first name. Suckock. <laughs> the <cock>. Fishburne. <laughs> Jeez, man. Caroline DeVernis as Dr. Alana Boom. And then, you know, we talked about all the other um, side characters throughout. But I do want to mention a couple of guest appearances this season. We get a guest appearance by Cynthia Nixon. She plays Cade Purnell, which is an anagram of a different name. Oh. Is it one of those things that ties it back into the fuller verse? Yeah. So her character, Cade Purnell, is an anagram of Paul Crindler. And because of that, he was played by Leota in Hannibal. Right. Yeah, okay. So it's, just an, it's a play on that. That's funny. Which is kind of cool. Jonathan Tucker. I know we've talked about vampires recently a lot for a lot of reasons for some of these actors and whatnot but he was also in a movie called the virgin suicides with james woods and he plays matthew brown he plays a orderly in one of the hospitals oh like the orderly like oh, the yeah, one that the I'm thinking orderly of? yeah so that also ties into directors liking to reuse people yeah because he's actually an american gods oh he's this dude, he Jonathan only Tucker's appears. Great, man. He only appears in like three scenes in the first series, and I can't even say the name of the character he plays because it, it's kind of a giveaway. Okay. When you say the character's name out loud, rather than because when I, I read the book the first time through, right? Sorry, this is getting no, it's a okay. little it's bit okay. of a tangent, but I like this stuff. I feel really dumb because I didn't put it together just reading it on the page, but the name's a huge giveaway. And then it wasn't until way later in the book where I was like, oh, wait, I'm a fucking dummy. Really? But he plays the old cellmate of Shadow, the main character. Okay. And even in the like three or four scenes that he showed up in, he was fantastic. It might not even have been four scenes. but And when I saw him, I was like, where did I see him before? And then when I was watching through the season, I was like, oh, that's where I'd seen him before. This dude. This guy. Yeah. He also... Is in an episode of Masters of Horror, the uh, Dance of the Dead. That's one with Robert England. He's. Uh, I want to see him in more things. He's got a really. He's a good actor. Him and he's really, he's really good. He's yeah. re- really good at what he does. It's so. like I said, if you haven't seen Virgin Suicides, I highly recommend. It. It's a great film. He does. He's heavily involved in that. The other guest appearances are Gillian Anderson reprises her role as Doctor Bedelia de Maurier. We have Michael Pitt as Mason Verger and Catherine Isabel as Margot Verger. And I know I mentioned Ginger Snaps several times, but Catherine Isabel is one of the main stars in Ginger, Ginger Snaps. Snaps. Yeah, it just keeps tying back. Mm. Can't get away from those. Can't help it. Them gingers. Chick werewolves, right? Yeah, I'm okay with that. There's two other actors I want to mention really quick. Mark O'Brien, he plays Randall Tear. And Jeremy Davies plays um, Peter. I can't remember his last name, but he plays kind of this little off character that involves horses. Oh, I can't remember the character's name either. Uh, fantastic job, though. Yes, yeah. does a great job. So those are some of the guest appearances we have. And most of Seasons 1 cast is reprised in Season 2. So you will see if them. Even for just a tiny bit. Yeah, it could be just for a few moments, but you will recognize them if you've seen Season 1. So that's pretty much what I got for And if for you cast. want to hear us like suck off the cast from season one, oh, go back and listen man. to the first episode. I am not going to repeat all the shit that I said about Mads Mikkelsen and Hugh Dancy. <laughs> I know we went on a bit about Valhalla Rising. Oh, man. And I was, Dude, I was still about thinking it about it the next couple days. <laughs> I was, too. I was at work, closing at work, like fucking running the vacuum and shit, just like... 
man, Valhalla Rising kind of got me dude. down. Should I recommend it to any of my crew members right now? Like, I don't man, know. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> I did recommend King Arthur to somebody, though, and then That's I immediately okay. took it back. I was like, no, never mind. It actually isn't that good of a movie, but I'm if you're bored, maybe. Yeah, or, director's cut. Yeah. As long as it's a director's cut. You, you're, it's not a complete waste of time. <laughs> That's still funny, man. But yeah, like I said, this is what I've got. I mean, unless you want to add anything else to the guts and bolts, wouldn't be like a warning for this season. Well, I was going to say a synopsis. Yeah, a good synopsis too. I mean, this synopsis is going to be a little bit more specific, I think, because well, you shouldn't if, be watching season two. If you haven't seen season one. Yeah, don't do that. So the roles are reversed. Lecter's consulting with Will, who's thought to be the psychopath. Yeah. The season is Will having to... He's having to defend himself. Defend himself. But it becomes way more than that by the oh, end. Oh, no doubt. It's a big game of cat and mouse. Eventually becomes about trapping Lecter. Oh, yeah. So, up, to, yeah, that's a good point. So, throughout this one, it's about Will, because we left off with him being detained. You know, a lot of this season is a lot like a mirror. It mirrors it a lot of things back and forth, which kind of is Will's personality anyway. His, his empathy disorder, or whatever you want to call it. He mirrors the killer into himself. Heavily. And so so this season is about creating the opposite image. You start with Will on the inside, innocent, and Lecter out, and it's about flipping it around. Yeah, so the roles have reversed in a sense. So that the mirror completes. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Um, but it becomes more complicated as it goes in, and it becomes more like fucking mirror room in a fucking funhouse or something. A house of mirrors, for sure. Because as it goes on, it then becomes about Will and Hannibal mirroring each other, and yeah, it's rather really than interesting. not just only trying to complete the overall mirror, and it almost like kaleidoscopes out. It's, yeah, it's it's gonna be fun to talk about. I feel like that sounded pretty deep, right? It is. This is a deep <laughs> fucking show, man. I know, right? It's like how often can you say that about certain shows, especially for you know executive TV or network TV for that matter, but. Outside of from that, synopsis-wise, yeah, lots of gore, violence. I mean, as much cussing as they can allow on NBC is there. It's pretty tame, though, it's in tame. comparison, I mean, yeah. Literally, if you've watched NBC broadcast television, you know, <laughs> Yeah, you should be familiar with some of the language. They can get away with certain things, but it's obviously toned down. It's not like us fucking going on every fucking second. <laughs> every fucking second. Yeah, you're right, though, but... As far as that, there, I mean, there's some, some weird taboo subjects. Of course, cannibalism. Yeah, cannibalism is still a big, big thing. Yeah, domestic violence. There's a little bit more actual on-screen violence than the first season. The first season was more about finding shit. It was. This one, there is some doing, but it's still mostly about finding shit. Yeah, it still keeps... Well, it's, I guess it's main storytelling, you know, mm-hmm. as it goes through, but... Yeah, it's pretty heavy. This season's really heavy. Lots of scenes of uh, psychedelia. Oh, yeah. Some of the the visuals, as trippy as the first season could get at times, especially as Will became an unreliable narrator, this season starts right off the bat with kind of fucking trippy sequences in episode one on. And so I guess if you don't like being reminded of possible bad trips you might have taken. <laughs> yeah, if you don't deal well with flashbacks... This is going to get pretty heavy in certain episodes. 
they recreate kind of drug feeling really well on this show sometimes. Yeah, somebody's 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 done some drugs. There's some experimenters. I don't know. Let's. I guess let's squeal about this, huh? Yeah, I mean, if you made it this far, let's let's delve into it. it. How does that make you squeal? Bam! Squeal! Squeal! Cool. Wow. Okay. Squeal. Considering a lot of the shit that comes up at the end of the season, that's actually kind of fucked up. But yeah, it starts make you squeal like a pig. I'll squeal like a pig, boy. No, there's a lot of pigs in this one. There's a lot of pigs in this one. Long pigs, pigs, you name it. I mean, that's another interesting thing that comes back around, though, because from the very get-go, you kind of learn that from the get-go in season one, almost, in one of Will's opening lectures, when he's talking about the Ripper, he talks about how he views his victims as pigs. Yeah. And so that continues to pay off thematically, very literally on the screen, this time around and they do a, a really good job of how it like you said how they portray that whole aspect of the relationship and human is long pig if you've ever heard long pig reverts back to cannibalism there you go so if you're no eating some mistake, long pig eating humans the, the pig wasn't abnormally stretched out <laughs> yeah it wasn't fu- the fucking stretch armstrong the pigs uh, yeah it's fucked up it's human yummy mm. Mm. and i do like the visual imagery, I like the uh, the metaphors they use, because that's not the only one they use. You talked about the Wendigo as well, and that's oh, yeah, another and the Wendigo, huge theme. It's awesome because it kind of guides you with what you you should be taking away from these other scenes. Like it's this trippy, weird hallucination that doesn't otherwise make any sense. But when you contrast what's going on with the Wendigo spirit in the scenes with what's been going on in the show if you haven't been catching some of the plot turns in the show you get oh he's currently hunting for it or oh he's currently kind of using it towards the end of the season because will in hannibal's lines kind of blur they certainly do in a big way big time blur (laughs) yeah it's pretty awesome man but you're right there's some really cool aspects of the long pig pigs in general in this season I like the way this whole season kicks off, too, because there's a sequence between Jack and Hannibal. Yeah, I love the way the season like, kicks off. What? Uh, and it's so badass. Dude, such a good fight. About? Such a good fight. It is a killer fight scene, man. So good. And it leaves off, too, where it's like, oh, shit. Right? I mean, we're not really going through top three moments like no, we were just, we last week. But that. if we were... That would definitely be on the top. Number one, um, probably yeah, most people's I mean, the list. way that this kicks off, immediately I was like, that's a fucking badass fight. It's between two of the major characters in this story, and it's pretty brutal. I love it's a theme throughout Hannibal's fights, like his t- fight with Tobias last season and stuff, is he uses the environment a lot. He does. And he uses it to his he's advantage very, many times. Mm-hmm, he's very... But it, it's kind of in keeping... With his character, as he takes advantage of the chaos, he's able to to pluck order from the chaos to suit his own ends. And so he doesn't always know where he's going to be assaulted, but he always finds something around him to grab onto. And I felt that that was actually kind of mirrored later on with his approach to Crawford's wife trying to OD on morphine in front of yeah, him. Yeah, that was pretty heavy. 
that scene reminded me of the way he fights because he sits there and considers it for a second, realizes that no matter the outcome, he's currently in a position where there's something around him that he can grab. And so he just leaves it up to chance and flips a coin. Yeah, and that kicks off a whole other chain of events that leads to a different outcome later on yeah it's pretty heavy man he uh he's very calculating like i said for everything and, around him he, he uses in a certain advantage way and especially that early in the season he was still feeling very arrogant very much reveling in sort of a, a small victory over will he doesn't consider it a full victory because now he has to get will out yeah because there's a certain relationship they have where they can't be separated like that but he did effectively his plans all came together last season so he did win and he was kind of and you can tell in yeah. his mannerism and stuff though the whole beginning of the season he's kind of very arrogant and then it's interesting as will gets <laughs> out yeah. and they start blurring their lines it's definitely not as much there no not in that dynamic the whole dynamic changes like i said they start to kind of become one with each other in a weird way but there's some cunning behind In a all of weird this. hallucinatory three-way. Oh, it's so it's there's so <laughs> many cool sequences like that too. There was a really cool scene, that lovemaking scene, where I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's happening." But it's it was really neatly shot too. It was stylistic once again. This this show throughout, and that's why I said some of the uh, directors involved and the cinematographer involved. It's like, man, they did another fantastic job. Yeah. Now, I do want to say, this season, halfway through, abandons being a procedural. It does. I, say, I don't know how they got away with that. that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, all right, plot twist. Because uh, I feel like there had to have been some somebody from the network, you know, on set, sort of. You would think. Keeping things tabs. in line with what they want. Because, you know, that notorious you know once you get corporations and shit that big they want you to do things their way and if you want to do things your way there's ways to go out and do things your way if you're going to do things within their system then you're going to do them within their rules (laughs) it sucks sometimes for some of these artists but it's it's the unfortunate truth of it and i think when you're already looking at getting into that world that's something you should probably know like (laughs) yeah you're not always going to get your way unfortunately but it kind of abandons being a procedural there's elements of it still here and there but for me it was almost to the detriment of the show because it didn't always mean that there was that new hook in crazy kill of the week yeah i know what you're saying i I know what you mean there some of the episodes literally ran into each other and were just like two episodes along a dialogue it's brilliant dialogue but there were those mergers of episodes like so they just kind of blended into each other towards the latter part of the season, which is okay. I mean, it, it helps kind of plow through it, you know. It does leave that procedural feel like, ooh, what's the next kill? What's the next fucked up shit you're going to see from these serial killers? And it just focuses on the, your central cast at that point. They still work moments in there, but it's not like... It's not the, as heavy It's not as, like the Monster yeah. of the Week style shit that you kind of got a Used lot to. of comparatively i suppose i mean they're they're only 13 episode seasons so yeah i mean it felt like we were getting a monster of the week at least every other episode well like i said even in the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. you kind of get the yeah you start off with a few yeah Yeah. the first one was kind of interesting the bodies appearing in this body of water i guess it was like a clogged up dam perhaps but even then that ended up 
getting drawn out. It did for a little bit for the first couple of episodes. I even liked <laughs> how Hannibal, like I said, he's he's starting to become the reverse, right? Their their roles are reversing in a way. Well, so I he becomes a profiler. He becomes the profiler, and yeah. that was one of the neat things we touched on it actually last episode for at least like a sentence or two that this one flips the script from what you're used to. What you're used to is Silence of the Lambs, which, however you want to slice it, is the second. It's the second book, (laughs) even if it's the first fucking Anthony Hopkins lector, Manhunter came first. Right, exactly. So it's still the second appearance of lector. (laughs) And so what you're used to in the second is a killer behind bars giving advice. To the profiler. Except what you're supposed to have is Lecter behind bars. Right. And you don't And they're like, no, Will. Will is. And I like how the piece of evidence that gets him convicted is a slice of an ear. Mm -hmm. And then through hypnosis, he learns how that ear got into his stomach. And you're like, God damn. Well, I can't remember. It would have been like episode three or four, somewhere kind of early on in the season. Alana Bloom... Maybe even she episode suggests two. It. I mean, yeah, it's pretty early on. Season, 40 minute episodes. So yeah. it might even have been like towards the end of episode two. Perhaps. Where yeah. you find out. Will's starting to get some of his memories back while he's sitting in the psychiatrist hospital. Well, and, and you finally get almost all the fucked up scenes from season one. You mm-hmm. find out the tr- full truth. You get the full scene. Yeah, you get to see what actually happened. And that almost fucked with me more. Because now I don't know when I can trust the show. <laughs> I know. You're like, you bastards. It's really cool, man. Lou has Them showing me the truth almost fucked me up more They're than heavy. keeping it from me in the first place by just the stylistically down the throat. using, you know, using it to build suspension. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, suspense and shit. Suspension. <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> suspense. That too. <laughs> but no, there's, there's some really cool moments. Like, so when he starts to have those memories and... I even like, you know, he has those um, those moments with the stag, the Wendigo, and then he has that moment with Alana where he's going under those hypnosis, and he sees her in a different way, like a spiritual way. In a, you know what oh, I mean? You know, that was that was super neat, uh, and she, she almost she's like, like water. Up to, and... Yeah, she's f- kind of fluid motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was kind of really cool. This season definitely goes for it more visually crazy fucking hallucinatory yes it does all over the place i mean weird shit too just the like way later on the fucking mason yeah with me i was thinking the mason shit dude no puns that was trippy dude some of that didn't seem like it'd be having too much fun seeing but he seemed like he was having a really good time and i kind of want to try that shit (laughs) yeah i know right it's like i need some better guidance than what he got (laughs) Yeah, give me a good trip sitter, but Jesus. Give me a give me a hit. Give me a hit. Yeah, stay away from cutlery. It was nutters though, but it still felt that like the right kind of weird disconnected and the right things coming in and out of focus yeah. and shit and the it felt jolting somewhat in and out, yeah. weirdly familiar. It was pretty wild. I like that though. Like I said, it lets you know somebody down the line has had experience with <laughs> this and kind of knows perhaps What's going on inside those trips? Oh, yeah. The first killer was cool. I, I liked that. Yeah, because he was, what, the uh, Eye of God? When the show was being done, thematically, I don't think this is what they had in mind. But because of all the racial things that have been in the news lately, oh. having a killer make a his palette. palette 
based on skin tone was kind of a neat visual. It was unique. In context of these times that we're watching it now, to mm. me. I was like, oh, that's this is what I get for being really stoned and reading the news <laughs> and then watching some Hannibal. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, damn, it's a lot heavier than I anticipated. Like, wow, that just got really heavy. But... It's socially interesting. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, it wasn't done in that context on the show. No, it was but it, it was a different fits. theme, but yeah. it was still an interesting visual considering. It's really cool. I liked uh, <laughs> how Hannibal found the whole silo. Oh God. And he even tells the guy, he's like, I like your work. Hannibal cracks me up sometimes. He's had some funny shit. When he runs into other killers and the way that he sort of just like, the way. He knows. The times when you when it's extremely obvious the way he's goading some of the people on, like the shit when he's riding and hanging with the fucking FBI and Will and Jack and stuff, that's all really subtle stuff here and there. And some of the stuff between him and just Will alone is a little bit more explicit. But for the most part, that's all very subtle influencing and just making sure that certain things happen around them. But some of the tertiary characters, when he's interacting with them... It's fucking almost hilarious how straightforward he is. He's super blunt. Yeah, he lets them know where they're at. <laughs> I mean, he figures them out. He knows what their dilemma is and how to either you know persuade it a certain way. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that first killer, they don't even really know that it's him until he becomes a part of his work. And even then, it's even later on when they are like, oh, no, it is him. It is totally him, and mm-hmm. he's missing part of his leg for some reason it's <laughs> really cool the second one i liked i think the killer in this one if i'm not mistaken i think second it's one the bees it was the bees wasn't it? it was the lady with the acupuncture yeah i was oh man the dude the walking dead dude fucked me up that was oh, horror. that was man that shit great was makeup of gnarly facts, but yeah fucking just a horrifying thought it's sad it's horrifying like you said because it's an eyeless person with I guess no way of talking, no way of... It's all shut been off, lobotomized. Yeah. yeah. And the woman... E- I wish I would have wrote her name down. She is actually in Pulp Fiction. She's the one with um, Tim Roth in the uh, diner. That's totally her. That's right. Oh, my fucking God. Why did I not put that together? Yeah. Holy shit. That makes that episode even more terrifying in a way. Yeah, but she does a great job just for that little bit that she's in as that character... She has her reasons for, for doing what she's doing. I guess she's trying to get rid of their pain in a certain way. And she does it in a fucked up way. The third one, would that be the... Would the judge count as the third one? I Technically, yeah, the judge and the bailiff. Yeah. I oh, yeah, because that kind of happened... Does the bailiff happen? I think first? the bailiff happens first, and then the judge happens a little bit later. Right, right. Because uh, there's two different people involved with those two killings. That's right. One takes Well, clean. and this is the fucking squeal, so... Yeah, I mean, if you're this far into it, come on. So, yeah, fuck you guys. So, <laughs> I did think it was an interesting twist. So, I guess, first off, we were talking about this earlier, because you had asked me before if I'd ever watched this season. I know that I've never finished all of Hannibal all the way through season three, and I felt like I had finished this one and gotten a couple of episodes into season three. But then when I went to watch this, I saw in my watching history on Amazon that it said that I only got up to, like, episode 8 or something. However, then when I was watching through this show this time, right. I realized I definitely saw past episode 8. I definitely saw through the finale. 
Now I'm wondering if I have seen a couple episodes of season three. three. Yeah. However, my memory was super spotty. And I'm currently under the theory that I marathoned it while I was home sick from work. Like, passing in and out of consciousness on the couch, like, yeah. trying not to puke and shit. And just catching bits and pieces. And only catching, catching bits and pieces. Because I definitely saw different things throughout this. I completely had forgotten that the orderly killed the bailiff. I thought that they were both Hannibal. And so it actually kind of caught me by surprise. When It's a really cool way of how that happens. And Jonathan Tucker, the guy who plays Matthew Brown, that orderly, the orderly we were talking about, he kills a bailiff. If you remember, he spikes him on those antlers, like to mimic the Minnesota Shrike. Mm-hmm. And I looked up the Shrike, that little bitty-ass bird that's a predator, and it no, likes it, to impel. Yeah. It's victim's body it's parts. Pre- yeah. yeah, and it's it picks it apart. It makes it easier. I'm like, you little bastards. I like how they use animals, once again, to parallel certain kills and whatnot. But yeah, the kid is m- mimicking the Chesapeake Ripper. Well, and then also he yeah, also the gave the bailiff the, the Chelsea grin. Yeah. So he's mimicking certain things, I guess, in honor and an homage. He confronts Will about certain things, and Will sends him out on a quest. Well, see, and the reason I thought it was Hannibal for sure was mm-hmm. because of this the is how we find out. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought it was like, this is Ripper plus Shrike. Yeah, he's combining it. these kills now. And, he, you know, he's just almost like taunting Will with it. Yeah, taunting the whole justice system, FBI, everything, everybody involved. But no, he tells uh, Will, and when I say he, Jonathan Tucker... He's like, yeah, I did the bailiff, but I didn't do the judge. And the judge, that the judge was, was one of my awesome. favorite fucking <laughs> was so visuals good. of this entire show. It's in the courtroom. Oh my god, it's so it's his so skull split wide open, gorily beautiful. Yeah, the scales of justice with the brain. Justice is not only is it blind; heart? it's heartless and brainless as well. Yeah, too. And the, I was like, damn, that's a brutal killing. But it is implied that it's Lecter's killing. Yeah, definitely Lecter's. Yeah. So what that does is it throws that whole thing with Will being tried for some of the season one killings and Abigail and all that stuff. It gets him off eventually because somebody gets found. And it gets connected because of those diatoms, which I thought was kind of interesting, too. Oh, the waters. Right. Um, and leads to a barn or a shack. Reggie. <laughs> Reggie, Miriam. Miriam Lass, yeah. Miriam Lass. See, I almost forgot she got found because there's a couple things early in the season. They're, like, really important for two episodes. Yeah. And then they tie back in a little bit at the end, but that's it. And those things are Crawford's wife, Mm -hmm. very important in the beginning. Yeah. Then you don't hear fucking... Dick all. Dick all for, like, (laughs) six episodes straight. Yeah. And then it ties back in at the end a little bit. Yeah, they do have a, a weird way of, like, tying in certain pieces later on. I felt like this was kind of another one where... That's kind of a big fucking deal that you find Miriam. Yeah, for many reasons. And it's important for about two episodes until she's fulfilled her purpose. And then that's it. And then dick all. Yeah. Maybe it begs, well, and it, it they're going to have to go back to it's it somehow. dick all in that part of the season where it sort of drops the procedural format. A yeah, bit. exactly. And I know what you mean. It leaves a lot of things kind of weirdly left behind. And, I mean, it keeps sounding like I'm getting down on that half of the season. Yeah. I'm not. There's a lot of really, really neat thematic shit. That's where they're building a lot of the Will, Hannibal are just flip sides of the same coin. 
sort of idea, and they're even throwing it back and forth to each other. Freddie Lowndes has put it all together. She's very unique in how she finds out things for what they are. Like She cuts through everybody's bullshit, and she knows exactly what's going on. There's a unique way how she's involved with this season, too, which at first it seems like, oh, shit, she got fucked up. And then there's a way she gets brought up later on. It's really cool. I was going to save that a little bit Yeah, I know later, we're kind of jumping around. But yeah. that actually brings up something I was thinking about that I felt like I should have put together sooner once it happened. And we're going to jump to a huge spoiler. Oh, yeah, we can't help it, but the um, season's full of it. It helps to show the fact that the sides of the season are like a mirror of each other. Mm. Abigail's alive in the last episode. Yes, she is. And that's a huge, like, what the fuck moment. Hannibal's been secretly keeping her alive. Yeah. You know, even in season one, you don't really get to see a conclusion with her. You, there's a story told that there's a conclusion of her. And so you're led to believe that. Everybody is. But Will doesn't come up with this shit himself. He just absorbs it all in. And so over the course of the episodes leading up to that, and when he starts putting his plan into motion, he had basically been becoming Hannibal. So his plan simply mirrored Hannibal's plan. Yeah. So when he hides a supposedly dead Freddy, Mm -hmm. it's only because it completes the sides of the mirror. Unfortunately, he doesn't realize that until it's too late, way later Yeah, way late. Yeah, too late at this point. But it's because Sad. Hannibal has already done that, is what, yeah, it, what mean, occurred to me way later on. I'm like, He's been devising these plans a long time ago. <laughs> he's already had this ace in the hole. Yeah, like I said, it's because Will didn't pick up on yeah. the fact that he got his plan because he became Hannibal, essentially. Yeah. And so his plan is going to mirror Hannibal's, and Hannibal had already <sighs> done that part. That's heavy. <laughs> That's super heavy. <laughs> And the way Hannibal learns it, too, it's like, oh, that was a really cool moment in the show, how he finds out that Freddy's still alive. Uh, I felt like uh, parts of that last episode were a little bit rushed in, but at the same time, I also felt like other things would have been rushed more. Yeah. It sounds like I'm getting down on this season compared to the first season. I actually enjoy this season more than the first season. Dude, after the episode, I know I'm like jumping way ahead, but after the last episode ended and the way it ended, I'm like... This might be one of my favorite seasons of any show I've ever watched. It's, it's so good. It's more that the show is complicated enough that it gives me these things to talk about and wonder about and, and wish about and hope about and yeah. sort of think about myself. Where I mean, other shows I'd just you know sit back and relax and be like, oh, that you know whatever. That yeah, it's just it's fun. But this one's complicated enough. Be like, man, I kind of wish that they would have done it this way. But God, it was so brilliant. And it sucked yeah. me in so much, and that's the only reason I can even think about it that hard. But I kind of wish that they would have pushed the Lounge reveal and all the reveals really to Alana Bloom. Have them all happen in the last episode. Her be completely in the dark for that entire time and for it to be just a huge thing that they've managed to fucking keep going. But that's just me kind of hoping that yeah. it was going to mirror season three of Sons of Anarchy a little bit, <laughs> where there's a huge deception going on to one of the leads that all pays off at the end for like this huge flip around of fate and shit for the most part. Yeah, man. I think the whole season, if nothing else, if nothing else, that last episode, that's all I can say about that. But um, I'll tell you one thing. I know we're kind of like jumping around a lot, I too. I do feel like 
Alana Bloom's reaction to realizing that she'd been sleeping with the fucking Chesapeake Ripper was yeah. not nearly as extreme as it should have been. No, like she was she more was, just she uh, was more just hurt that she was deceived by pretty much everyone. Yeah, exactly. Like she had all these wrong intuitions, but yeah, everybody was kind of manipulating her in a certain way. Yeah, and she kind of felt bad that she was wrong yeah, about things. It's like fool me once. <laughs> that kind of Yeah, it was like it should have been but a bit a lot like, bigger deal. Oh, for the past two months, I've been sleeping with the, the killer's Chesapeake Ripper. Yeah, the killer's ding dong has been in me multiple times. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's, and a, that's he, heavy, and man. He just got done making me like question and hate two of my best friends. Well, not only that, but it makes you think too. Like, she enjoys eating what he makes. Yeah. How much shit has she been eating? That could have been colleagues. <laughs> and that was the one other thing I felt like. I think it would have been unrealistic for them to all immediately have, like, stomach-churning reactions to the fact that they had been eating people. But I felt like, at least, like, when they found out, they were all kind of, like, had a disgusted look on their face for a second and then just sort of went on about their time. I felt like at least maybe Chilton... Did Chilton kind of have a... He might have puked, he he realized. He came to a realization after he had been gutted, and he said he couldn't process animal proteins. He's like... There are times like these where I'm glad I can't process this because he knows what they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I, I kind of felt like they're all just. It would have been more realistic to have at least one person sort one of suddenly just puke like start moment. Fucking Ralphing. Yeah, well, how would you feel if you learned like over a course of several meals you'd been consuming human flesh in some fashion? The dish might have been appetizing, but the realization is that was human meat, and I think that's the reason why. Though, to be fair, it's not always human. Not always. Not always. He mixes it up. He mixes it up more than you would think, actually. Yeah. He incorporates things into those dishes, too. And it it doesn't always have to be a staple meat. Mm -hmm. Which, there's a lot of deception in this season with that, too. Jack Crawford analyzes. Analyzing the meat. But then there was, like, the fake Freddy meat. Yeah, even that. It was interesting because he said he could taste the way the meat was being, was, like, frightened. And he says, even in death, meat is bitter that it's dying. <laughs> you know? And he said, it had what, a citrusy, acidic taste. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's unique because palates get brought up. That ties back into the whole reason why he's cooking and they're showing the foods the way they are. Is You're kind of curious about the tastes of them as well. We keep talking about Will becoming kind of like a mirror of Hannibal this season. Mm-hmm. We haven't touched about how fucking dark he goes. Will goes super dark. I think it kind Will's of, basically ooh. a super villain for most of this season. Hypnosis really helped him in the regards of getting some of those memories back and like, all right, this reinforces exactly what happened to him. You know, how much can he trust that it is a true memory or not? It's mm-hmm. good enough for him. But, I mean, getting Jonathan Tucker to try to... He almost got him. It was so close. Almost it was good, died. too, man. I liked how it got in the pool and swam with him, and then he took off. You're like, damn, get him. Dude, The Tucker's whole sequence. Ripped. Yeah. He's in a uh, MMA show, like on, oh, I can't remember which channel it is on, but he's ripped. You're right. But he fucks up Hannibal. He gets him good. He gets him all tied up in a noose on a bucket and toying with him. And if it wasn't for Jack, that would be it for him. He even kicks the bucket over. <laughs> yeah. As he gets shot. Little did Jack and Bloom know. Probably should have just left him. Yeah, they made a big mistake. They're like, uh, for morality's sake, they did the right thing, but not really. <laughs> so that was a heavy moment. That was the one that started the whole betrayal and getting even because the next big killer in this show, which was really cool, it had a 
a weird moment at first, but the truck driver, you're like, what the fuck just happened? Did this dude get snatched up the way he got snatched up and blood splurting all over the screen? Oh, okay. So that's a big, that's a big one. I like where all that ended up leading to mm-hmm. <laughs> for kind of fucked up reasons too. Yeah. Um, gnarly. After that dude gets his own, but I absolutely hated that killer. That's yeah. the one thing I didn't like about this season. His suit, they never show enough of his suit yeah. to explain. I mean, a lot of the things in the show aren't realistic, but what he was doing in that suit from the glimpses you saw of it was not realistic at all. <laughs> no, I wouldn't think so. That shit was... And those are the portions that were supposed to be realistic. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the bodies aren't being put in certain ways because of the fantasies that are going on in Will's head. It's because things are physically happening to him. Yeah. But from the glimpses you saw of the suit, it seems like he wouldn't have been able to fucking move. Mm-mm. That, was, that thing would have been super heavy. Much less the fucking way he prowled around and fucking <laughs> just ripped that guy up from his fucking truck. Damn. And the couple disemboweling them and, you know, you see the crime scenes and there's limbs torn in pieces and all that stuff. But yeah, and then Will has the encounter with him because we find out that that kid was a former patient of Hannibal Lecter. And the idea is cool, but... But yeah, some of the technicalities the of it show, are weird. The cool part is Will putting it together in his head using the Wendigo spirit to attack. Yeah, he knew. That was neat. Especially because a lot of that was him starting to Take bait Hannibal. Yeah, it was. He was super doing that because in the back of his mind still is like, he has kind of an ultimatum that he's trying to do. He's trying to capture Hannibal. By that metaphor he uses, he says he's a good fisherman. He's trying to lure him in. He and Jack finally come to that conclusion, right? Well, and that's the thing. Like, you get that from the beginning of the season, especially in the beginning. There's a lot yeah. of the fishing. His sequences. And he and talks dreaming. about it and lays it out. And you're like, okay, that's going to be the theme. And then he lays it in even more mid-season with the ice fishing. Yeah, they have that moment, he and Jack, where they talk about, like, how do you catch a predator when they're not really hunting? Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, you have to have the right bait, <laughs> essentially, yeah. All that stuff was really cool. Will fucks that kid up in the suit. I did like how he crashed through the window. I mean, it, all of that's unrealistic, but Will fucks him up and returns him. And that's the him. thing. It, it leads to a lot of really good stuff. It does. Like, it does. It was like a total of five minutes of an episode where I was like, mm, <laughs> yeah. mm, I'm like, not okay. happy about this right now. But Yeah. It was some good ideas, though. Like I liked the cave bear motif and like... How many shots they had of the skull and shit. Just the execution of it, I felt, was just like, uh, either give me even less of it or give me more of it and make it make sense. Yeah. That's after Will's already out. I do want to talk about a little bit while he's in because we're skipping a little bit about the fact that Idiot Izzard is still in this. That's true. Yeah. Abel Gideon. Yeah. And he shares space with Will inside the, uh, the, the psychiatric hospital for the criminally insane. And it's done for a reason. And you start to learn a little bit, too, about Gideon knows some things that he's starting to confess, but then he kind of walks back on his statements about being inside of the dining room, having dinner, and where he confesses to being the killer. Anyway, it's interesting because he winds up getting fucked up by some of the prison people, and then Lecter takes care of him, yeah, feeds him to himself, and then Chilton starts to piece things together. Chilton's pretty keen. I'll give him credit. But he gets framed in a big, bad way. He finds Gideon in Hannibal's, like, cellar. Yeah. 
and then the FBI agents that had came and oh, were all man. fucked up. And I mean, he Hannibal was there and it fucking corpses everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's housed that gun and blood and oh, it was fucking great. It was a good chase scene too. I thought it was funny. Chilton. <laughs> Chilton doesn't deserve as bad as what happens no. to him over the course of the series, but fucking he gets on my nerves so much and how arrogant he is with about how little skill he actually has. Yeah. Because there's so many times, especially when like he first starts, when he gets on Will's side in this season, he starts trying to fuck with Lecter and he's way out of his league. Yeah, he's not even in the same room for the most part. But Will does warn him. He's like, you have to kind of fend for yourself now. He's going to come after you. And it's your fault. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's totally your fault. <laughs> totally your fault, totes. But it's, it's interesting, man, how Chilton gets framed. He gets pinned for being the Chesapeake killer. It's also interesting because when Miriam is found, right, by Jack, Jack finds her, but we know she's fractured. Like, her mind's not in the right place. She just recalls, like, these blurred images of who the person was. And eventually, when Chilton gets in that interrogation room, she hears his voice, and she freaks. And she takes a gun and shoots his ass. She fucking Manchurian candidates. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, that's exactly what... Lecter fucked her up big time. Kind of reminded me of Keepsy Tapes. It did. That's something I just watched recently. Oh, did, did you watch it with them? I did. What they think? He's like, Sorry, Man. tangent. But... I know, this is all, a little bit, but... He's like, man, that movie's fucked up. And we talked about the whole <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, he's like, that movie's... He liked it. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's so fucked up. Nice. It's like, that's the whole point. Yeah, it reminded me of Poughkeepsie Tapes. It does. Which, another thing that reminded me, because <laughs> just to jump back to There's Cave a connection Bear here. Guy, yeah. Man, Bear when, when Will mutilates him and they find him, I was like... Fucking Justin Long from Tusk? Yeah, I did look like that. <laughs> I did. Will was trying to honor him. It was weird because he even has that conversation with Will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, all right. It's weird. Saber-toothed man? Yeah. That was pretty freaky. That was. That let you know Will has snapped. But did Will do that or was it Lecter? Doesn't, it's implied. I'm pretty sure it was Will. You think so? Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure that was Will for sure. Damn, that's heavy Will. Well, and it's around that same time as all that's happening that I started to get really excited. Having been invested in the series for a long while, mm-hmm. having watched all the original films, and like I said, at one point read the books, because the Vergers get introduced. Yes, they And do. I know what part the fucking Mason Verger plays in Hannibal. It's good, dude. Gary, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Yeah. Which, what did you say this guy's name was? Michael Pitt. He did a great job. He's not Gary Oldman, but no, nobody is Gary Oldman. So Gary Oldman managed Manor's... to convince me he was Mason Verger even through that just Gosh. disgusting, pants-shittingly terrifying makeup. Well, yeah. I mean, he looks he super acted fucked through up. That. If you had not known that it was Gary Oldman, you would not have convinced me otherwise. Yeah, he convincingly acted through that, and that still fucking stands out in my mind. So Michael Pitt did an amazing job. Not a Gary Oldman, but nobody is. So. Yeah. He did an amazing job. No, I, I do like <laughs> Michael Pitt a lot. But yeah, he does a unique job. And we had talked a little bit about the fact that he kind of has this Joker-ish kind of mannerisms. And he jokes about these weird subjects. He makes light of them. But you're right. We get the introduction of the Verger family. And that's huge later on, in, I guess, in the books, in the movies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's something that's referenced and then 
Mason does come back as a character. Although I liked Margot more. Yeah. Her character, I felt, was a lot more mysterious. You never find... You only she get has, hints. You, yeah, you don't, you don't these... find out what exactly happened to her, but you know that she was basically tortured by her brother. Yeah. <laughs> you do feel an air of sympathy for her, for perhaps what she's been through with her family and with probably with the male side of the family. It's kind of hinted that she's done some pretty fucked up things I'm herself. I'm sure so. she's sketchy. I mean, she does some sketchy shit in here. I mean, I wouldn't mind, but I'm just saying it's sketchy. I thought it was also kind of neat because some of the lines that he has as Mason are straight from the... When he's fucking talking about the, the little boys that would do anything for a candy bar. <laughs> it's fucking straight from the books and shit. Like, yeah. And I believe also Hannibal. Gary Oldman does the line. I'm not positive. Yeah? Because it is from the books. And we'll have to go back for reference. But that's pretty cool. Her character, right? She's very mysterious at first. We find out, like I said, her brother has been... Looks like beating her or... He's doing something to her to keep her contained, for reasons. He's the sole heir, at this point, of the whole family corporation. Before we, we started recording, we were making a point, like, with him as a little bit of a weird joker to the Hannibal Batman. Right. It would be neat to see, in the future sometime, another reboot of Hannibal, following Hannibal more closely in the upper crust of society that he obviously ventures in. And having to deal with Verger on a regular basis because of the fact that Verger was so wealthy mm -hmm. as well. And a sociopath on top of it. <laughs> and maybe one that just because of his position that Hannibal couldn't touch for a long time. And that just finally come to fruition across yeah, a long story. Like that too. could be something that was planned out for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. In a different retelling of the story. Yeah, absolutely. In my mind. But that's good. I mean, it'd be fun to see. And it could still be all for the same reasons. Like, Verger isn't really refined. He's, like, pseudo-refined. He's somewhat high class, and he knows how to act within it and stuff, but he's also <laughs> a fucking psycho. Yeah, he is batshit crazy. I mean, he rambles on about a lot of different things, all the, you know, in all these weird contexts. I mean, he's super intelligent, but you're right, he's crazy. It's interesting because he knows a lot about pigs and breeding in general, and his sister Margot is scheming a plan, trying to find a way to inherit some of that wealth. And she uses Will for some sexy time. I wish that she wouldn't have lost it. Well, I wish that fucking Mason wouldn't have happened to the child. Gosh, man. Because I thought the idea of a Verger Graham kid was amazing idea. That would be a unique progeny for sure. I know that that's not where season three goes, <laughs> no, but, no, no. but in my head, as soon as that got introduced, my head started going wild. Like, that's an amazing, like, possible way to go with this story and just draw it out even more. Yeah. Like, a little version of Will Graham inheriting his daddy's craziness. And Margo. Margo Yeah, is... she's not sane by any stretch. She has her own definitely demons. highly intelligent as well. Oh, yes. Yes. She has very calculating plans, and she follows through on those plans with no hesitation which we learn, they're not the worst of plans or intentions. I mean, but the point being is Lecter and Verger wind up meeting and they have a fondness for pigs and what they can do and what they represent. But there's that disconnect because Lecter finds Mason to be very rude. But eventually Mason takes him up on the offer of being a psychiatrist and it's kind of alluding that somebody's trying to have another heir. That's like her plan. Margo was trying to get a baby. 
Will hits that doesn't it. Work too Will good. later on hits it the nail on the head during his face off with Verger, mm. and he points out the fact that like no, all of this is being set up like even at well, that point, even at yeah. that point that you're talking about, Hannibal's already set his sister in motion against him. Right. The whole point is that Hannibal's going to try to set Mason in motion against Will. Yeah. And that Will's going to kill. Take revenge. So there's this whole triangle that he's perpetuating. And we get to see enough of the scenes that you should have been able to put that together. But even if you're not, Will spells it out for him. He does. He spells it straight out to him. And then there's a whole series of scenes that you're getting with all of them. A lot of Hannibal's scenes with once he becomes a psychiatrist to Mason are straight up like, well, this is how your sister can get around this. Yeah, perhaps. (laughs) I mean, not that I have thought of this or anything, but... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, but you might want to check into it. The dialogue in this season is very particular. I think it's the scene after they find fucking Tusk. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Pretty much everything that Crawford, Will, and Lecter say in that scene is code to one of the other characters. Either admitting it was them or like don't worry i'm just playing this guy or i'm just going to kind of show how i think a couple of hannibal's lines is kind of just showing how witty he is and kind of almost throwing will under the bus and saying like look how subservient look how i'm teaching you like (laughs) except it's all coded it's all like they're talking about the crime scene but everything each one of them says is so very carefully worded and coded for something that as well yeah no it is they're all in on it in different ways exactly exactly and it's a unique like so weaving of how they're trying to get shit across to each other (laughs) one thing i do want to bring up really quick is i know we talked about beverly being a side character but she's heavily involved in this oh especially towards the beginning of the season yeah we should actually alive and there was something that I want, yeah, there's something that we need to mention, like really big time we need to mention, uh, because it ties back into another movie that we did earlier, right? Way With the cell, which I thought was really cool. So Will is trying to persuade Beverly early on in the season that, you know, he's not the killer. She needs to start looking for something unique. And she's starting to figure things out on her own, right? She's found like needle injection marks and that involves that lady with the bees she found out that like one of the people who got stung had needle injection marks underneath the wound so those wounds were being covered up anyhow she was thinking well who had that kind of knowledge and she's starting to figure out that it's Lecter, right i mean eventually she finds out she goes to Lecter's home and she's doing some more digging and she's finding meat in the refrigerator and she sees like a leak that goes into the floorboards but it doesn't stop there she eventually goes down in the cellar she finds something that she shouldn't have found. We don't know exactly, but something gruesome, probably. Yeah, they never do show what she saw. You just see Hannibal she's gasping like behind. <gasps> oh man! And then the lights go out. There's a struggle. Well, he hits it up. Yeah, and then he ninjas her in the dark. And Freddie Lowndes, I think, gets the tip off. She eventually finds it, and then she makes the call to Crawford and his team, and she tells him, "You don't want to go in there. It's one of your own." and when Crawford goes in, that's where you find Beverly in glass slides and the planetarium. Exploded. Oh, man. I mean, she's sliced up. Yeah. Like an anatomical explosion. Exactly, man. And we had talked about, or you had even brought up to me who the artist was and all that stuff, too. It was a British artist. I can't remember the exact name, but 
I was thinking that too. It's like somebody either worked on the cell or was like heavily influenced by that whole scene that they want to recreate it. That's the first thing it made me think of. I was like, somebody watched that fucking movie about outside of us and, you know, it was Tarsum Singh who directed that. But that whole sequence where she's pieced out like that. So, yeah. So, so good. good, man. I even like how they explain how that happened. Like when Will figures out she got frozen and sliced in half by the machine. It's like, God damn, dude. The artist's name is Damien Hurst. Damien Hurst, yes. There you go. That's a, a cool reference back to the cell for those who are familiar. Oh, yeah. Hurst's stuff is crazy awesome. Oh, yeah. And it's mostly like uh, display art, right? Yeah. There's the piece that inspired the horse scene in the cell. It has a long name for that piece. And there's another one. Halved. Long ways. You walk through the middle. Oh, of dang, dude. Yeah, so for those who are curious, we're looking at some of the artwork of Damien Hurst. It's pretty cool. I knew I should remember the name. I had to look it up. I remember it now because like, yeah. Damien. It's Damien. all for you, Damien. It's all for you, Damien. <laughs> it's always been you, Damien. <laughs> Omen 3 and Damien. Sam Neill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what that did was it made some of those side characters a little bit more important in the show, too. Because they were kind of almost gimmicky in a way. They mm-hmm. had a, a job and they do their job well. But then after that, you kind of don't see them toward the end of the season no. either. They kind of drop off at a point. No, I think the only reasoning I can think of is that really a lot of the last half of the season has to deal a lot with the sort of the trap. Yeah. yeah. And you can't have them all in on it. It seems like there was a couple scenes that sort of hinted that they kind of knew that something weird was going on, Mm -hmm. but that, that they just were supposed to play along, but they weren't really a part of anything. And yeah. the others were kind of making sure that very little was even being around them. If I'm not mistaken, I think they found that weird water connection and that the diatoms mm-hmm. from her body and then from the bodies found at that silo. And then that's how they traced it back within a certain radius of yeah. animal yeah. collectors' place. I thought it was kind of neat. They're using science to piece that together. Freddie sure. Lowndes, too. She finds something I want to mention that it makes it look like she disappears off the map of the show. But then she doesn't. So she goes to Will's, and Will's not home, but she goes into his barn, and she discovers that dude's, his whole getup, that bear lion dude. Mm -hmm. The cave bear. Yeah, the cave bear guy. and uh, Tusk. She's figuring out, like, oh, shit, Will's involved. And Will shows up, and it looks like he disarms her. She runs away. He gets her again in the car. And then that's the last we kind of see of her until she's rolling down the fucking like this ramp in a parking garage <laughs> on Which fire. Which was awesome because that's Red Dragon. Yeah, and it even stops at F. Lounge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that was like, that's cool. But yeah, it's straight out of that. That's the actual fate of Freddy Lounge in Red Dragon. Yeah, so we are under the impression that that's the end of Freddy because Will offers that meat to Lecter, and then they find the good, corpse, cool and moment. it's missing that portion of meat mm-hmm. later on. Yep. Who is it? Is it Lana finds, like, bottom jaw piece? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something that, like, it ties her somehow Will still involved with this. So she's still being manipulated. But, yeah, I mean, I guess trying to tie all these things together. It's like there's a lot of manipulation going on throughout this entire It's a huge season. fucking web. Like I said, like, it starts off just mirroring each other, and then yeah. it turns into a funhouse. Like, it's a fucking kaleidoscope. But that's, yeah, that's the big payoff Everything at the end. Everything fractures, and yeah, so I guess we, you're still seeing an image, but you got to piece it together. You do. It's, it is a unique web. It's uh, something you'd have to pay attention to. That was another thing that made me happy, though, because, I mean, like Like I said, I'm like, oh, shit, that's what happens. Yeah. But that's not what happens. But No, but that's what happens. 
You're right, in the movies. We talked about Mason and Margot. Margot winds up getting ripped of her lady parts by her brother, and it's sad. And it's fucked up, because it comes back on Will, like you had mentioned, that whole play. Eventually, Lecter gets a little tired of Mason, but Mason has plans for Lecter as well, because of that knowledge that Will drops on him. He sends some henchmen after Lecter at Lecter's place, and they have Italian dialogue, which is cool. Also... That is a, I believe that scene was a low-key Hannibal reference. Yeah, because it plays out differently, of course, in, in the movie. But it, it's really cool how this gets played out with, in the inner thigh. Yeah. Yeah. Gets the femoral artery. Shouldn't have done that. No. Well, yeah, he shouldn't have pulled it out. That was his problem. <laughs> he should have left it in to staunch the bleeding. But Mateo. Mm-hmm. Mateo gets fucking offed. Yeah. I like the dialogue because it's like, I kind of understand what they're saying a little bit. Mm-hmm. He, you know, they call him the Torre Doctor. And he's like, they ask him, he's like, you need to come with us. He's like, I prefer not to. He does what he says in Italian. And that dude takes a swing, and that's where they fucked up. But Hannibal gets tased, shows back up at Mason's in that straitjacket. There is a scene where Will envisions Hannibal in that straitjacket, in that factory setting. So Hannibal is now in that position. Mason has plans for him. Will is there, and Mason gives Will the knife and gives Will the chance to off Hannibal. Well, because this is after that scene where Will had confronted Mason with the fact that Hannibal had been setting it all up. Yeah, so it kind of backfires on Hannibal because Mason takes advantage. Cuts him free. That was cool because he's like, don't slit his throat, just nick him. And you're like, oh, is Will going to fucking finally do this? Sets him free, and then Will gets clubbed and wakes up later. And this was a huge thing for me, too, was because I know Mason Verger's fate. Yeah. So you get to see it play out disgustingly. Oh, my. That, that was, was fucking great. gruesome. That was brutal. I think the last two episodes for me were like, those were the selling points of this season altogether. But you're right. You get to see what happens to his faces. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was fucked up that he fed God. it to Will's dogs. Yeah. I know that he fed them to his dogs. And but for a second, dogs. it looked like they were going to place that with his pigs, which mm-hmm. I still feel like would have worked. I wouldn't have been upset with it. That's not a change I would have mind. Yeah, you know, mind well, that makes sense. Bit, but to Will's dogs, and that I felt Gosh. that was kind of fucked up. That sequence we talked about with Mason getting those drugs, he said that he was like terrified, but also enthralled at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, he was fucked up. He needs, I need a prescription of that doc. That's a good line. <laughs> Why don't you eat your nose? <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right, I will eat my nose. And he it's like, it's brutal, but his laugh, too. He has a, a really good laugh, Michael Pitt. Oh, yeah. It's he, maniacal. He had a good Mason voice. Jesus. And then it all... Jack and, learns what happens to him. He visits him. Well, Cynthia Nixon eventually comes back, too. She does. It, she it, learns it, it a lot some series it, of All towards the end, it all starts going really quick. And it goes bad for a lot of these people involved, but they don't give a fuck because they're going to fulfill whatever they have to do. And it finally ties back around to that beginning scene. Yeah, because there is a reason why we see that scene, and then 12 weeks earlier, and then now we're seeing it at the end again. We're anticipating that scene. Everybody's convinced now. Yeah, everybody's sold on the idea that they need to act right now. And it might legally be entrapment, it might not, but they realize that they have to stop Hannibal. Jack's doing what he feels like he needs to do, the fight happens. Yeah, the fight's so good. The fight's so good. That was one of my favorite things of the finale is getting to see the fight again. You're like, yes, twice. <laughs> yeah. But Jack winds up trapping himself in the pantry, and Alana shows up, and she's witnessing things. And she has a moment where Hannibal gives her a choice, and she makes the wrong choice. 
Guns out of bullets, and as she's trying to get away, that's when you find out that Abby's still alive. And that's where I was like, oh, chef, totally forgot that she was still in the show. <laughs> and she tells her she's sorry, and there goes Alana out the window. And I like the scene with the rain falling, because I was anticipating seeing her falling with mm-hmm. the rain in that slow motion, but no. Will then, shows and up. then there's the rain falling. It cuts back to the rain falling, though, yeah. and I thought it was a really neat transition because then it turns it to blood falling, and yes. it comes up through the floorboards, and it's Jack's blood falling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, gosh, man, he's bleeding like a, no pun intended, but a stuck pig. Right. Uh, well, yeah. Will shows up. Abigail was kept alive as a present for Will. Yes, but Will has betrayed some trust because of that revelation that freddy is still around that was that mirror mm-hmm. that you talked about yeah so both had these aces but unfortunately Lecter had the trump card yeah and throats are slit oh my gosh he guts will so oh, wow. that's how that wound is what happens to will mm-hmm. in the books when he caught Lecter. you never get to see it in the books i can't remember the young hannibal books as much I can't remember if they end up going into his capture or not during that. I can because I only read it one time. But I mean, I'm I'm even rereading Red Dragon right yeah, now, we'll, and they mention it. They mention it a couple of times, especially during the first couple sections with Will. Is that he finds Hannibal the same way that Miriam found Hannibal in the first season? It's because the wound man, right? Right, exactly. And when he f- catches Hannibal, Hannibal's basically surrounded. It ends up getting captured. But when Will goes in. That's eventually, you know, they get him, but Will's the first one on the scene, basically, to yeah. to confront Hannibal, and he gets gutted the same thing. It's a brutal gutting to me. Mm-hmm. It's not pretty. And then Abby's throat gets slit. Oh, man. It's bad, too. Like, And uh, Hannibal walks off. Yeah, so you have... Blue sky credits. You have three, one, two, three people who might still be alive, might be dead. It kind of yeah. one person's definitely dead, and they're all laying in blood. But you're right. Yeah, Animal Abby's definitely dead. She's yeah. Alana seemed like she was still alive. She was yeah, hanging on. Jack was maybe hanging on, and Will is maybe hanging on. Maybe hanging on. Yeah, but you're right. This is something that TV series hardly ever do as an end credit. It continues on, and the story continues on. And you're right. There's blue skies and. Do you want to mention that? Should we mention that? I think that's a good way to the, the, get into the season scene, three. The stinger. Too. Yeah, man. Hannibal flying. Hannibal's flying. There's some champagne and orange juice. <laughs> Probably some screwdrivers. Gin and juice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. He has an interesting passenger along with him on the ride. Dan on Scully. the flight. Yeah, Scully's there. <laughs> Fucking Mulder's in the back eating peanuts. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Bedillo's with him. She severed off relations, and she almost got killed. Yeah. So, ooh, what's going on? Yeah, why dun, are dun, they dun. on the plane together? Dun, 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 dun. Dun. Find out next week when we talk about it. We talk about <laughs> season three. Yeah. Because we're just going to finish off season three at this point. On the next the episode. Like I said, the last two episodes, for me, it's just like so much tension, so much drama. The way it ends, oh, it's not necessarily ends, but just the way it leaves you hanging. Like, what the fuck just happened to everybody in the FBI? Oh, so can I go watch that fight again? That fight was good. We need a third sequence. (laughs) Which episode one will probably show us. Yeah. Which is good. I super enjoy going through the show. 
Yeah. Love the season. I'm glad um, we got to talk a little bit more about the storyline, spoilery. You know, yeah, but. me too. And just some of the weird. I mean, we're maybe not the best people to talk about theme shit, but yeah, goddamn, there's so much cool shit in the season. Yeah, I read a little bit more. I'm definitely gonna have to rewatch it again at some point too. Yeah, just because I know that there's shit I missed. Imagery, yeah. There's a lot of unique storytelling within this story. Yeah, I'll learn some new things. Like I said, I learned a little bit more about the story itself, about these characters, about shit that I forgot. Like I said, that Wendigo thing and how Will starts to transform. Or he feels himself transforming. Oh, yeah, and we didn't talk about a lot of that, but there's yeah. a lot of weird... As the Will-Hannibal thing plays out, that also plays out in his hallucinations. So. Yeah, it does. And uh, there's even mention of like this transitional stage, these transformations happening, and they get played out. Well, at a out. certain point, Hannibal sort of starts to make sure that Will starts talking about himself more like he's a serial killer rather than yeah. the way he was framing it. I do like how Will is trying to use tactics against... Lecter in this and doesn't necessarily pay off for Will. He tries. It doesn't not pay off though either. No, but like there's I, certain ways where yeah, I, it comes back to him. By the end, Hannibal's Will's definitely capable. at the most vulnerable that he's been in the series. Oh, without a doubt, there is a reckoning, as Will put it, that just happened. I like that how he tells him early on there will be a reckoning, and hopefully we'll see more of that reckoning next season. Oh yes, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to season three. Me too. To continue with us talking about season three of Hannibal and all this awesome shit, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. Yes. Anywhere you listen to your podcasts, we're probably there. You know it. www.friedsquirms.com. You can find us there. It's our uh, website. Fried Squirms Facebook. At Fried Squirms is our Twitter Friedsquirms podcast is our Instagram. Yeah, we like pictures. Oh, and if you email just us? want to email us, squirmcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I mean, you can message us certain ways, various ways, but that's definitely a good one. And I don't think I'm missing anything, am I? No, we'd mention we're on various social platforms, so wherever you can find these things, you'll probably find us. And we're going to come back with more Hannibal. And yeah. we've got plans after that. But Yes, we do. Uh, we have three seasons of Hannibal, so we're going to do season three. Yeah, we're going to conclude it once I remember what happens. See, I haven't finished season three. I might have seen the first couple episodes. Like I said, I'm not sure. But, I can't say anything. That's all I can um, say until next week. I'm excited. Super excited. Yeah, so if you want to join us on the conclusion... Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And don't with touch that, that dial. Don't touch that dial. And Fried Squirms out. Out. <laughs>